Hello, and welcome to Not a Couple, a Will and Grace podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Tess. And this week we are on the season three finale. Finale! It's called Sons and Lovers. Um, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about this week, so we are going to jump right into it, and uh, here we go. Yep. Episode description. Uh, Sons and Lovers. In the one-hour season finale, Grace tries to mediate between a resentful Will and her sloppy, free-spirited boyfriend Nathan, Woody Harrelson, when Nathan moves in. Jack is in a royal dither as he plans to finally meet his unseen father face-to-face. A royal dither. I've never heard that phrase before. But it does seem to describe Jack very well. It does. That's a very Jack Turner phrase. I'd actually like to talk about Jack first this week. Because I think Jack has a really rewarding plot line. Yes. Um, I think we have a lot to complain about with Will and Grace's. I'd like to start off on a good footing. Yeah, let's start off with Jack. So, as we've kind of seen for all of this season, um, and I think a little bit of season two as well, mm-hmm. um, Jack has been on this kind of quest to discover who his father is. I yes. mean, we originally knew nothing, then we learned that he was a black boy, then yes. we learned that racism is not avoided on Will and Grace. Yes. Then we learned that it was a Irish boy of the surname Black. Yes. Then we learned that it wasn't serious Black because Harry Potter had just come out. Yes. Then we realized that it's Person X, Joe Black, I think is who we decided it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so this whole episode revolves initially around... Jack finally meeting his dad, who's reached out to him and is like, I'm coming to visit. Yes. So, essentially, Jack sends a bunch of letters because there are 13 black children that it could be. So, he sends a letter to all 13 of them, literally saying, were you wearing a Nixon mask at this party? (laughs) Yes. Um, Did you have sex with the back end of a horse? Yes. I also have some follow-up questions because I didn't realize that Nixon masks would have been in before he was president. Because Jack was born in 69. Wasn't Nixon not president until the 70s? I think Nixon was president in 68, but I guess I don't know that for sure. Hmm, my presidential history is not... I mean, you remember from the first episodes of Mad Men that Dick Nixon was like a presidential candidate since like the early Yeah, early I remember 50s. him running for president like a bunch. Yeah, he was president in the 60s. Oh. From uh, 69 to 74. All right. I guess I just didn't realize that he would have been, like, so prolific that there would have been Nixon masks in the 68. Well, I mean, part of it was that Nixon had a, a unique face. Yeah, that's true. It was true. stupid. It was a it was stupid a, man's face. It was face. a stupid face. Um, but I mean, he, he was a, ma- a member of American politics for years and years and years. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. There's not really a, a equivalent in the current political climate. Like, I mean, maybe Bill Clinton. There are a lot of But Bill not really. I mean, like, Bill Clinton basically, like, ran for office and basically, like, got it. Like, what yeah. would be closer is almost like Mitt Romney. Mm, yeah. Or, like, uh... John McCain, maybe? Maybe a little bit John McCain. If he was, like, more famous? Or John McCain only ran for president the one time, though. That's the thing. Like, mm-hmm. Mitt Romney was, like, really in the running several the times. times. You know, or Ralph Nader. Ralph, Ralph Nader, Nader may be a better example. Right. Except Nader was never president. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, Dick Nixon was a politician, like, for years. Can you stop saying Dick Nixon? No. Please? We have to demasculate him. I don't think that's demasculating. Also, I don't think that's a word. It's <laughs> emasculating. The word is emasculating. The point of the matter is that, so Jack, yes, Dick Nixon was president when Jack was conceived. Yes, so Jack sends a letter to the 13 potential candidates for his father, mm-hmm. but unlike 13 Reasons Why, gets a simple, straightforward answer back in response. Well, and there not isn't, really, as it turns out. And there isn't any uh, bullshit suicide nonsense. Yes. Um, but so essentially he gets a letter back from Joe Black saying, I would really like to meet you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be easiest if I explained it in person. Yeah. And so Jack is really excited. and He talks to Karen, and Karen is like, 
oh, let's throw a fabulous dinner party. And Jack is like, oh, my God, you'd open up my ho- your home for my family. And she's like, on second thought, let's do it at Will and Grace's. <laughs> um, but so they're throwing this lovely dinner party to finally meet Jack's father. And he is very excited. And he's having a gentle breakdown, as yes. Will puts it, because he's just flitting around the apartment singing, Papa, can you hear me? Yes, but basically it's just that. So um, they open the door after the knock, and it is revealed that there is a woman there. And Jack, Jack is really okay with his Jack dad being trans. Fi- Jack is so fine with that. And she's and the woman is like, I-, I feel like I need to explain. He's like, what's there to explain? You're my daddy and you're a woman. Like, he's so okay with it. Right. Like, So as it is explained, Joe is actually Joanne Black, and she mm-hmm. was married to Joseph Black, mm-hmm. who was Jack's biological father. And is dead. Yes, so the emphasis there is on the was. He passed away about five years before the plot of this episode. I think that's such a a smart, unexpected move. Like, this episode really has two perfect Jack twists. Yes. And I think this is... They're both amazing. This one's Mm -hmm. fantastic. The implications of Jack hunting for his father for all these years and never getting to meet him are so interesting. Mm -hmm. It, It reverberates through the character. Yeah, and I think it's also this, like, really, like, bittersweet reality of, like, a lot of kids who grow up without a parent, Mm -hmm. like, never actually meet that parent. Right, for one reason or another. Yeah, and you just kind of have to, like, learn to be who you are without that person's influence in your Mm -hmm. life, which is, it's, like, sad, but also, like, um, like, Jack is, like, a full and complete human. He's Mm -hmm. kind of a cartoon character, but, like, he's a person, and he grew up without a dad, and that doesn't mean, like, that there's anything wrong with him. Arguably, the thing that's most shaking to Jack is finding out that his biological father is different than the man who raised him. Yeah. Um, because he seems to have a really strong sense of identity before then. Like, he's like, well, I'm not like my parents. Like, and you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think what's interesting is that for the whole process where he's trying to find his father, Jack thinks that, oh, maybe I'll find this person who is very much like me. Mm-hmm. And maybe that would be the case. We don't know that because we only meet his ex- his, uh, his ex-wife. We meet basically Jack's stepmother. Yeah, we meet Jack's stepmother, and we don't know what his dad is like. Yeah. Um, but either way, that doesn't invalidate who Jack is as a person. Right, yeah. And I think Jack is going through a lot of phases that a lot of kids who like grew up without knowing a parent or were adopted do, where they attribute pieces of their personality that they can't explain mm-hmm. um, through like the nurture that they grew up with to right. this person. And like it is kind of like a crushing reality that like to know that you'll never meet them to find out whether or not that's true or mm-hmm. it's just a dream. That you have, it's it's really sad and it's very bittersweet, but I think it works really well for Jack's character. I think it makes total sense for this to be the culmination of this two-season-long plotline for right. him. I think the other thing that's really interesting is that this episode doesn't resolve it neatly in a bow. Like, Jack doesn't have right. his feelings about this really resolved. Right. But he does have a conclusion in the form of the other twist. Yeah. Um, which is this 13-year-old kid showing up all of a sudden at... Grace Adler designs, mm-hmm. because obviously Grace isn't there, only Jack and Karen are there, because Grace doesn't do anything. Right, great. Here we are, season three finale, why the fuck is Grace Adler still employed? Right. But it's, this 13-year-old kid shows up and is like, I'm looking for Jack McFarlane, he's my dad. Right, and so then Jack kind of has all these complicated dad feelings, but in reverse. Like, yeah, it, it's it's such a smarter conclusion to the episode, rather than like have some like trite, cute, like, Jack realizes he never needed to know who his father was. Like, right. Jack did need that. Like, he right. needed to know, like, who his father was, how he related to him, like, any similarities. Mm-hmm. 
And he's never going to get that. Right. But he has this other thing that he can choose right. to take up instead. Exactly. He's kind of confronted with the fact that he never knew his dad with mm-hmm. in the form of this kid. Because when the kid shows up, he freaks out. He doesn't want anything to do with him. He's basically just like, look, no, like, I understand that maybe I provided half of your DNA, but I don't really, like... Right. necessarily want a relationship with you and this kid is understandably bummed and says to him like it's fine you probably don't know what it's like to grow up without knowing mm-hmm. your dad and so then jack is kind of confronted with like the things that he needed as a kid and knowing that like he can provide this for this right. kid whether or not he's ready to do that like i think the the most telling thing is when he's starting to come around and he's like offering to like throw a ball around with right. this kid. And there's not a joke attached to it. You know, right. like... He's genuinely saying that he would do that. Yes, that's exactly it. Like, he knows that, like, even as, like, a little gay boy, like, he would have wanted to throw around the ball with his dad. Right. You know? Yeah. He doesn't know anything about this kid, but he remembers that feeling. Right. That's... I think it's so important that it's not a joke. Yeah. I just think that there's, like, a lot of the ways that he reacts to this kid that are funny, and it's... it's But it's also just, like, very genuine and very mm-hmm. real that he's, like, trying to connect with him. And, like, there and there are some jokes, but they're still, like, very meaningful. Like, he asked the kid as they're leaving Grace's office, hey, so where are you from? And the kid says, Queens. And Jack laughs and says, yeah, you really are from Queens, but we'll talk about that when you're older. <laughs> like, it's funny because, like, he he's not... He's also... He's being, like, a very good parent in this situation, honestly, Mm -hmm. having just found out that he was one. Right. And uh, he's not really making the situation as much about his complicated feelings as he is kind of letting this kid, like, ask for what he wants and giving him Mm -hmm. what he can give him. Like... Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, obviously, Jack is never going to be this kid's, like, primary caregiver. Right. But in a lot of ways, he is still set up to be a really good parent. Like, Jack's only concern is himself. And he's already shown in the small amount of time we get with his son that he is willing to expand the version of himself to include this kid. So, like, yeah. he's interested in this kid's best interests. He's going to, like, throw a ball around with him, even though he doesn't really want to. Right. He's going to zip up his sweater. Yeah. He's going to take him out and chat with him. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, they're going to go get a burger and joke about who's going to pay. Like, Yeah. Like... He's not equipped to actually, like, take care of this right. kid. Right. He's certainly not equipped to be, like, an actual parent. But he is willing to, like... Help fill in the gaps about, like, yeah. the missing pieces of this kid's biology. Like, it's like he can be a parent but not a caregiver. Right. And he, or it, something. It just seems like he just automatically has good instincts. Yes. And I think part of that is, you know, realizing that he never got to know his own biological father and mm-hmm. knowing, like, the things that he would have wanted had the situation been different. Right. So, like, I think those two things are really, like, a great comparison. We see them happen one right after another. So we right. see Jack literally processing through all the things that he needed and still needs from his father mm-hmm. and like giving himself like the permission to try to give those things to this kid even right. if he's like i'm not ready to be a parent right and i think that's the only way that jack can get any resolution from this plot line yeah because he can't get it from his biological dad he's certainly not gonna get it from his um adoptive dad right um based on the relationship we've seen that they have mm-hmm. I, I don't see that happening yeah but this is the best way for someone in Jeff's position to give back and heal by healing some other kid. Yeah. It's so like, yeah, he's he's never going to be able to, like, fill in those gaps for himself, but mm-hmm. he can he can do that for this kid. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really sweet. And I think that the way the episode does it is it's just beautifully crafted. It's, it's, it's very sweet and heartfelt and it's funny, but it's not, like, mm-hmm. it's not, like, funny at the expense of this kid. Like, right. the kid's never the butt of the joke and Jack is never really, like, made out to be, like, a jerk because, right. like... The implication is that he donated sperm when he was very young. Like, mm-hmm. we don't 100% know how old Jack is in this season, but, like, he's probably between 31 and 32. He's not very old. Mm-hmm. So if this kid's 13, he may have only been 18 when he donated the sperm. Right. So, like, 
the fact that... Nice like, and fresh. Right, like, he just didn't... And the fact that he just didn't know, and so he's kind of confronted with this and has to make these decisions very quickly mm-hmm. and, like, ultimately seems to make the right decisions. He's not saying, like, hey, I'm going to raise this kid now, but he is saying, like, I will explain some stuff about myself. We can mm-hmm. get to know each other. Let's go get a burger. Let's maybe go see a Jackie Chan movie because that's right. what the kid wants to do. <laughs> and that's adorable. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's very wholesome and heartfelt and lovely. And... You know, I'm a sucker for gay dads, so <laughs> any chance for uh, Jack to fill that role and not... And it's also just like a really interesting foil when you consider the episode earlier in the season where Jack is like confronted with the other gay dad's baby. And he's yes. just like, nope. That's a very good point. And like, it's just like, it's a way of seeing Jack like slowly mature and he's like never going to be a completely mature human being like Mm -hmm. he's always going to be a little bit of a cartoon character right but there is this kind of like emotional growth through line that we've seen this season for him that's been kind of slow going and sometimes sort of buried and in like silly plots but Mm -hmm. like the fact that we see him like react this way to this kid yeah i mean looking back over the season like now that we have a full season worth to deal with like jack probably has had the most narrative development Mm -hmm. um Maybe Will afterwards, although Will and Grace take a lot of steps forward and back this season. Yeah. I feel like Jack has had a really consistent, like, you know, he starts off the season as immature as ever. And, like, we get just enough of his storyline this year that, like, he deals with trying to get with, meet his dad. He is getting nominated for awards on accident. And, like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Jack's plot lines are always funny, but in between that funniness, we've seen him deal with some real concrete issues this year. Yeah, he's had some, like, genuine heartbreak and some mm-hmm. hardship, and we've seen him kind of, like, weather them. We even see him, like, sort of, like, get kicked out of his housing situation mm-hmm. and have to find a new housing situation. Yep. And, yeah, so, like, it's kind of crazy to say this, but, like, Jack, like, really did kind of progress and advance this season. It'll probably all get reversed by next year. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, that's just kind of the nature of Jack's character. He will take two steps forward and then slide down the stair banister. Yeah. Like. Oh, wow. But, yeah, I just, I thought Jack's plot this episode was especially good and especially sweet. And I kind of enjoyed the, like, bedroom Irish wake that was happening. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. Um. And I did also really like, like, Will and Nathan and Jack all waking up in a dog pile on Will's bed. Like, <laughs> I thought that was very funny. Because, like, you don't ever see that sort of, like, male camaraderie on television. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed that as, like, a person who, like, just enjoys, like, the physical contact of your friends sometimes when you're really drunk. Like, Well, I, I think it's a good uh, segue into Will and Jack being disgusted by the very idea that they experience physical <laughs> attraction to each other. Yes. Yeah, because Nathan, because, you know, it's it's apparently 2001 so we're still allowed to make these jokes about all gays being into each other and so he keeps being like sir are you two like a thing and they're like no well i just mean like to give nathan a little bit more credit than is probably fair like jack and will are very close like it wouldn't be weird if there was a thing there, right but it's just like it's just the assumption that they're they're automatically a couple because they are both gay and they're close right of course let's let's use that as a nice segue to talk about how Nathan is still here and it's still terrible. <sighs> like, I feel like we don't really even need to, like, say anything because, like, if you've listened to several episodes before this, and I hope you are not jumping in on season three finale, like, Nathan is terrible. He has not progressed in any way. He has had no character development. I don't like Objectively. I don't like him. I don't like him. He's so gross. And, like, he doesn't even... In this episode, we get the, quote, character development where we realize that he's not 
weird, he's eccentric. Oh, no. He's... But, like, that's not actually character development. Like, that's, no. like, lazy character development. I agree. I think it is very lazy the way his character is handled. And I think that it also makes Grace come across as, like, really, like, like frivolous and strange. Yeah. From a, from a real perspective, like, none of his behavior changes. It's just that, like... The characters start responding to it positively. Which right doesn't episode. make any fucking sense, honestly. It kind of describes Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. Like, like we're seeing them, like, in a hostage situation. Yes. Woody Harrelson is holding them hostage. And then they all just suddenly are like, we love you, Woody Harrelson. And it doesn't... Please stay forever. And it doesn't make sense that anyone would want that. Right. Like, admittedly, like, he has one or two actions which are slightly nicer than he's been in the past. Like... He comes in and they have a really great session where they, Will and Jack talk about Jack's dad. Yeah. And, like, that's really sweet, but, like, objectively still really weird. Yeah, like, it's weird that he just kind of inserted himself into that situation. Right. Like... But because the characters respond to it positively, we are supposed to assume that we're seeing new depths of Nathan. Right, and now we're supposed to root for this guy, which I'm not rooting for him. Like... Yeah, so, like, kind of to back up a little bit, this episode starts with Grace realizing that Nathan is still living in his ex-girlfriend's apartment. Yes, which was handled very clumsily. Yeah, so that was handled very clumsily because essentially, like, she, like, walks in on him and Grace in bed together. And he's just chill with it. And he's super chill with it. And, like, Grace is honestly not, and I think that's fair. Mm -hmm. Um, But that being said, I wouldn't get that bent out of shape about someone like Nathan still living with their ex because I would assume this is short-term anyways. Right. I'd be like, oh, you still live with your ex. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. Anyways, thanks for the fuck. Goodbye. Yeah. But Grace responding as if she is some sort of, like, uh, crazy person, mm-hmm. um, decides that Nathan has to stay with her and Will until he can figure out a new place to live. Which is just, like, if you brought someone home and was just like, they're living here now. Oh my god, no. I'd be so angry. No, that's just not cool. That's, like, against every roommate code of conduct. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you don't do that. Like, in an actual situation where, like, that person has been, like, evicted or, like, right. is in, like, an emergency situation. But it's not an emergency situation. Like, no. The only reason he's downstairs is because Grace has decided that she's not cool with her boyfriend still living with his ex-girlfriend. Yes. And doesn't break up. You know what I mean? Like, she has two options. Either she can break up with him or she can make him move somewhere else. And she chooses the cuckoo bananas option of making him move in with her. Right. Not even move anywhere else. Like, move in with her. Which is just... That's just insane. Like, no. Just no. And it's it's so fast in the relationship for them to be living together anyways. I feel right. like that's never really, I mean, addressed in this episode because right. so many other things happen. Yeah, and it's never really, like, treated as if this is, like, a stopgap thing. Like, she introduces it that way, but then it seems like he has no interest in leaving. Well, the problem is that so quickly, like, Will and Nathan bury the hatchet. Like, the mm-hmm. episode's kind of... It's clearly subdivided for syndication, where there's an episode where Jack finds out about his father and Nathan and Will bond, and then the next episode, Nathan and Will are friends, and right. like Grace is like, "What the fuck? Why is this happening?" Right. Like that's the thing is like I think that's another thing that I maybe want to get into later, but I think the fact that Grace is so unnerved by them being friends is really indicative of the fact that she shouldn't be with Nathan at all. Yes, I agree. If she can't imagine those two worlds colliding positively, then she should never exist have been in with that him. Situation. Right. I, I just I think we should definitely talk about that. Um. It's, it's, Grace is already really unnerved by the fact that she's dating Nathan. Yes. That's a constant throughout the episode. I think when Grace gets further away from realizing that is when she acts the worst in this episode. Mm-hmm. But she sees Nathan and Will being friends and her first thought is not, oh great. They're finally friends. They're finally friends. It's, it's 
what what's the going fuck? on? Like, this doesn't make sense. She's like, what is going on? Are you guys sleeping together? Like, th- she just doesn't trust it. And I right. think I think that that's that says a lot that about it. That says a lot, a lot. I think that if we were in a situation where I was dating someone and you guys didn't get along, first of all, I wouldn't keep dating them. But in, like, a fantasy universe in which I kept dating them for right. whatever reason, I have a brain tumor or something, and <laughs> then you guys suddenly started getting along and I was unnerved by that, like, that should be, like, a huge fucking red flag to me. Right. Like, if you cannot imagine your best friend in the entire universe and your partner getting along, right. then you shouldn't be with your partner. Right. Well, I think this episode deals with that tension a lot. Like, it's it's simultaneously against Grace and that. Like, it's, like, obviously, like, you're... It's going. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, your friend and your partner should interact. Like, right. Grace, you're dumb. But also, like, it seems to be kind of, like... Just grappling in general with the idea of, like, as you get a romantic partner, do you have to leave your best friend by the wayside? Right. And it kind of, in true Will and Grace fashion, tries to have it both ways. Right, yeah. So then we kind of, we have this plot where now that Grace um, is seeing that Will and Nathan are getting along, she starts to, like, panic about the relationship. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, at this moment is when Karen decides to pipe in and tell her how much she loves Nathan. Right, Which. Um, if you remember, one of the rules <laughs> of Will and Grace is whenever Karen says do something, you should do the opposite. Right. But in this situation, it takes Grace a while to get to there, and then eventually she doesn't do the opposite, which is a problem, I think. Right. Like, there's a scene in the episode where they go to the movies and they can't sit together. Right. And, like, Grace is really weird about it mm-hmm. and, like, doesn't really want to sit with either Nathan or Will, but ends right. up with Nathan... But then ends up running over to Will because Nathan tries to get, like, emotionally intimate with her. Right. Which, okay, let's discuss that for a second. So, first of all, they've been dating for, like, what, two weeks at this point? Like, we don't know how long, but we can assume it isn't, like, you know, six months or whatever. Um, Second of all, the movie is about to start and this bitch is about to blurt I love you out. Like, Mm -hmm. no. Just no. Like You always look at the end of the movie. Girl, if you're dating someone, girls out there, ladies... White women, listen. <laughs> if you are out there and you're dating someone who told you they love you during the previews of a movie, pack your bags. <laughs> Change your name. Move to a different city. Don't be with that person. <laughs> that person is garbage. I just mean that's not a good time. You can't react to it because now you have to sit through Chocolat. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. But they were all really excited about Chocolat. I don't really remember when that movie came out, so I don't know if they've all seen it already or I don't even know, what man. this situation there was. I don't think the interesting thing about this is it's... I still think about this episode a couple days after we've watched it. I don't know what the show is trying to tell us in that scene. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's trying to tell us that Grace is a crazy person and she should let Nathan tell her that he loves her. Right. I don't know whether it's telling us that, like, Grace is making a terrible mistake and she needs to rely on Will. Right. I don't know whether it's telling us that, you know... Grace needs to synthesize her romantic and platonic life. You know what I mean? Like it sort of feels like it's trying to tell all of those things to us at once. Yes. Like we I, get we get like sad want want music when when uh, Nathan isn't able to confess mm-hmm. his feelings. We get Will being irritated with her for being like all weird about it. Right. And I don't I don't know what this is. The episode is written this way, but it kind of feels like part one is structured like really solidly, and part two is just so so fuzzy. Yeah. I, I don't think it is. I mean, there are definitely shows where, like, part one is written by one person, part two is written by another. I don't right. think this is the case, but they have such a strong storyline with Jack's parentage and Will and Grace and Nathan colliding. Yeah. And it, it just feels like once they get over that, they don't have anywhere else to go because right. clearly Nathan is not going to work out, but they want him to 
anyways. Yeah, it's like, it's very obvious that we only have Woody Harrelson for like seven episodes. And so we're going to act like he's like this big love of Grace's life, but we all know it's temporary. Right. And so like the fact that they're giving so much weight to it is weird to me and I don't Mm -hmm. like it. And yeah, so basically then we see Grace kind of like continue to waffle in this discomfort that she has between the two main people in her life. And she's, like, pulling away from Nathan and trying to get closer to Will. Mm -hmm. And then we also see in that conversation with Karen, we have Karen straight up tell her in explicit terms, well, once you are with Nathan, you won't need Will anymore. Right. And first of all, as a person with a best friend of the opposite, well, not opposite because it really isn't an opposite to, I'm all genders. but, (laughs) But having... A best friend who is a man, and I am not a man, like, I call fucking shenanigans. Like, no, that is not a thing. Right. I understand that, like, the heteronormative patriarchy wants it to be that once you find a husband, Mm -hmm. you no longer have your best friend who's gay, but fuck that noise, (laughs) and everyone is wrong. Well, and the other problem is that it's a false choice in a certain sense, because... Grace shouldn't want to be with someone who makes her choose him over Will. Right, absolutely. And Will shouldn't want her to choose him over a romantic partner either. You know what I mean? Right. This is the constant struggle of this show. Right, but, like, I mean, I also feel like Will shouldn't want her to choose a romantic partner over him either. Well, I mean, obviously. I just feel like that, like, speaks to, like, an underlying, like, problem in their relationship. Right, but that's that's just, like, basic, like, self-interest. Right. You know what I mean? Like, Will doesn't want her to choose him over a romantic partner either. That's why in the end he pushes her back in the limo. Right, yeah. So we we have this whole like tension that's being built and it kind of reminds me a lot of the old-fashioned piano party where we see Grace kind of like yes. freaking out and it's reaching... a lot like this episode. And reaching out for Will and like being like, well, we don't have anything concretely holding us together. And in that episode we have Will just give her the answer that love will keep us together. But in this episode she's kind of confronted by the practicality of that and right. how like... Love is not a legally binding document. Right. Like, they're, they're, it's you have to work really hard, and mm-hmm. it sounds like Grace isn't interested in working that hard. Yeah. So, the only thing that's interesting about this episode for me is that it reminds me a lot of the season two finale, mm-hmm. when it, it starts to build this conclusion. So, in a surprising revival of a plotline that I thought was very throwaway, mm-hmm. Will is still going on his scuba trip. Oh, yeah. Um, but... That gets canceled then, and so Grace decides that they're going to Morocco for three weeks. Yeah, she decides that since he already asked for the time off of work for the scuba trip, they're going to go to Morocco for three weeks. But it, it's it's similar to season two because in season two's finale, Will tries to run away from his problems by going to the Bahamas or wherever it turns out to be. Yeah. And in that since time, he's trying to avoid Grace, and he doesn't tell Grace. Mm-hmm. So technically, this is a step forward in the right direction because Grace isn't trying to avoid Will, mm-hmm. and she tells Will and is going to bring Will along, but the, the objective is the same. She's running away from her problems. Right. She's going to just leave and see if, when she comes back, everything is resolved. Right, yeah. And so Will even, like, says to her, he's like, wait, I mean, three weeks gone, you've only been dating Nathan for a little mm-hmm. while. Are you sure this is a good time for you to leave? And she's like, yep. And they're like, off they go, and they're getting ready to leave. And, like, then as... Basically, we have this kind of comedic, like, pre-9-11 bit where Grace decides to get to the airport four and a half hours early, which now you have to do, but at the time was ridiculous, <laughs> um, to go through security because she likes to stick spoons in her bra to see if they catch her. Right. Um, and they don't because it's pre-9-11, so, right, you course. know, you can have your pre-9-11 spoon bra. Um, <laughs> but so while she is heading off to the airport, 
Will is back at the apartment and he runs into Nathan and Nathan is returning the pair of socks that he borrowed mm-hmm. from Will and makes an offhand comment about how he only wore them once or twice so you don't have to wash them, which is disgusting. Right. Um, but right. anyways, Nathan explains to Will that Grace broke up with him. And right. this is big news because Grace did not tell Will. Right. So we, If anything, Grace implied that she had already talked to Nathan about it and Nathan was totally, totally fine. With, hit, with her like leaving for three right. weeks. And that was clearly not the case. Right. And so then Will, like, goes to the airport and decides to confront Grace about this. And he's mm-hmm. like, why would you do this? And she's just like... And she gives a reason that I think is a totally valid reason to break up with someone. And I don't think that the episode really gives enough weight to it, in mm-hmm. my opinion. She says that she likes her life as it is and she's not ready for it to change. Mm-hmm. And Will is like, I can't let you be held back because of me. And I don't think that's what she's saying at all. Yeah, I, I feel like this... This episode and this show have a really complicated understanding of what appropriate change is. Because mm-hmm. I I totally get the argument the show is making. Like, these characters cannot stay... Well, <laughs> admittedly, these characters cannot stay in the version of their lives that they have right now is not something that the revival would agree with. Yes. Um, but, it, but it is arguing that, like, the goal should not be to stay in this relationship forever and not have any romantic attachment. Like, right. Will is like, you shouldn't be afraid of change. We'll change together. Right. And I don't disagree with that either. No, I don't disagree with that. I do disagree, however, with how Will decides to handle this. It's, it's change for the sake of change, it right. feels like. like. Yes. Will is like, we shouldn't be afraid of change. Let's throw ourselves into change. You go back to that limo and be with Nathan, and I'm going to go to Morocco without you. Yeah. But so then she decides to get in the, into the limo, which... There's a lot of things that I have to say about that, but we'll get to that in a second. She gets into the limo, and Nathan's in the limo. Mm-hmm. And like, okay, here, here are my thoughts on that, as written down verbatim in my notes when I was watching the episode. Did Will seriously bring Nathan in the limo? Will is fired. Grace does not love him. It has been 45 minutes. <laughs> do not go home, Grace. Go to Morocco. <laughs> so as you can see, I do not agree with this plot line. I think... Spoiler alert, she does go home. She does not go to Morocco. She does tell him she loves him. Yes, which all of that, I'm sorry, I'm calling shenanigans. Like, yeah. they've been dating for a hot second. There has been literally no buildup to imply that she has any more emotional attachment to him than jealousy. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't. it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, I'm not saying that love is, like, entirely logical and that TV needs to show me every single step of two people falling in love. Right. But I just think, considering this grand romantic gesture of not going on your three-week prepaid vacation to Morocco, mm-hmm. you should probably have a little bit more buildup than I just dumped you because I prefer my best friend's company. Yeah. I just... I I don't know where this is going because it's not... It's a weird finale because it's not a cliffhanger finale. You yes. know, like, mm-hmm. season one is a concrete cliffhanger. These yeah. two characters have lived together all season and they've decided, hey, this isn't working for us. We need something else. Oh, no, that's really scary. Like, cliffhanger. Right. And in season two, we have another cliffhanger, which is that Will has gone to the Bahamas and he's not coming back. What the hell? Right. And I feel like this season, we have... We have what I think the creators think is a cliffhanger, which is Grace is embarking on this brave and bold relationship. Yes. And Will's going to France with a stranger. Yes. But, like, that's not a cliffhanger. That's just the end. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's a temporary end. You know what I mean? Like, clearly the story is going to continue. Right. But I'm not waiting with bated breath to see right. what happens. Right, like, this felt like a really hardline season finale. Like, you know something's coming. We know we've been renewed. And mm-hmm. I'm not, like, I'm not, like, going to be sitting around all summer thinking, God, what are they going to fucking do? Like. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm trying to think, like, back to, like, the beginning of the season, which is Will coming back and, like, recommitting to Grace. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think of how this finale is the conclusion to the story they start telling in season three. And I'm really at a loss. Yeah, I really feel like it isn't. It's. I think it's trying to have their cake and eat it too, mm-hmm. where they're like trying to say that Will and Grace are so committed to each other that they can be apart. Yes. And it's like... Which okay. is a good development. They couldn't do that before. Yeah, that's a good development. However, I don't think that this entire season has led to that conclusion. Mm-hmm. And I also don't think that they should be apart in this particular way. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not saying that... This show needs to have a concrete through line every season. Like, it's not, this is us, you know. (laughs) But. This fall on NBC. (laughs) But it just follows, it follows weird logic. Like, it goes through, I mean, the beginning of season three and the end of season three look nothing alike. Mm -mm. And there's not enough change throughout the season to justify that. Right. It just sort of seems like the creators decided that since they introduced Woody Harrelson's character, that in and of itself was enough change to prompt all Mm -hmm. of these changes. And frankly, I don't think a slobby hippie is enough. I well, think... And I don't think it's enough for Will and Grace to say, like, let's introduce a love interest that lasts for, like, the end of season three and presumably the beginning of season four. Because they did that with Ben Set a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. Ben Set was a character who was introduced, but he wasn't a romantic interest until the end. Right. And he's a romantic interest at the very end of season two, and he carries on through the beginning of season three. And the show seems to think that that's a good way to handle romantic leads Mm -hmm. is to book them for a couple episodes each season. And I just don't like it. Yeah. I just... It's weird. Yeah, because that's the thing. It's like, we know we're watching television and like... I mean, we know that Woody Harrelson does not become a series regular. So, like, mm-hmm. even if that was, like, the plan at one point in 2001 and then, like, that got screwed up somewhere along mm-hmm. the line, like... Like, it's just, like... It well, just... admittedly, that, that's true. From a TV perspective, like... It makes sense to introduce a character who you think you might keep on at the end of a season. So if you decide to pick up their option, they stay on longer term. Mm-hmm. But I just I don't get the sense that there's any real expectation that Woody Harrelson will join the cast. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Like it's kind of like like Richard and Friends. Like there was never a moment where everyone was like, "Oh, clearly Richard is going to be one of the friends." You know what I mean? Right. Like we all knew that had an end date. That he had an expiration fit. date. He doesn't fit in the group. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I can kind of see a version of the show where he becomes a regular character in the group, but it just doesn't feel right. Like, you no. already have the oddball. You have Jack. Right. You don't need a Nathan. Wait, we don't need a Nathan. We already have the kooky oddball. And he's gay, which fits the, the genre of the show better. Yeah. I just, like, we don't need this kooky straight guy who's like, oh, I like floaty baloney. And I just don't see his character working as soon as he and Grace are not together. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. It's like, there's no place for him in the plot line other than being Grace's romantic partner. Right. And even then, it's like a tenuous fit at best. Like, mm-hmm. we all know that they're terrible for each other. Like, right. it doesn't make sense that she's with him. Like That's the other thing, is that... the whole beginning of this episode is still on the he is not good for Grace train. Right. And it seems to forget partway through that that's the case. Right, like we're just supposed to suddenly believe that he is her soulmate and she should go to him? Like, I'm sorry, I don't buy it. I don't think that there's been any like clockable, understandable change in Mm -hmm. his character that we're supposed to see as like, oh my gosh, he's actually a perfect partner for her. Right. Like to me, it just seems like he is perhaps a little bit deeper than we initially thought, but nonetheless, he still wears his socks for several days. It's like that quote... If someone tells you what they're like, believe them. Right. And Nathan has been upfront from day one that he is a terrible garbage person. Right. And arguably is like almost laughing at Grace for still being interested in him. Right. Like, like this is not the person that she should be with. Right. But then like all of a sudden the grand joke twists and he's like, well, now I'm in love with you. So now you have to deal with that. And it's like, fucking no, she does not. Yeah. She has no obligation to deal with your squishy man feelings. Yeah. I just... 
I take comfort in the fact that I know Woody Harrelson cannot be a part of this show forever. Mm-hmm. I take comfort in the fact that Woody Harrelson must leave. Woody Harrelson must die. <laughs> but I just... I'm upset with Will and Grace for choosing to make us feel bad for him. Yes. I don't like that they tried to make him sympathetic. Because frankly, he his whole appeal is that he's a completely unsympathetic character. Yes. And we are ending season three. And we are getting ready for season four. And we are going to have to deal with Nathan as a quirky eccentric who Grace will probably break up with for a stupid, callous reason. Mm-hmm. Is it for the very real reason that he is not a good fit for her? Right. And he is a human man-child, and she deserves better. Yeah. Like, like, being single and staying with Will is better than being with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, that's the thing that I think is just kind of... It's just sort of indicative of, like, the very patriarchal, like, era of television that this is coming from. Like, this episode was written by the creators, who are both men. Mm-hmm. So I think that it just it just doesn't seem to register to them that, like, Grace deserves better. Mm-hmm. They're like, no, she just needs, like, a kooky, fun partner to have, and now she's in love. And it's like, no, she's fucking not. Yeah. Like, Grace deserves an, an equally, like, compassionate and charming and wonderful partner mm-hmm. that you would write for Will. Yes. And, like, it feels like they're they're not interested in giving her that. They're interested in giving her someone who's a foil for Will just for comedy's sake. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't I mean, that's work. a recurring problem in this show. I mean, I, I can't think of a single person that any of these characters have dated on camera who it's been established is a good partner for them. Yeah. And I understand, like, you don't want to actually give them a good partner because you don't want them to pair up because the whole point of the show is that they're dating and they're dating terrible people. But, like, mm-hmm. at a certain point, we have to believe that these people could be good partners for the other characters. Mm-hmm. We could break them up for other reasons, you know? Right. I mean, the closest we've gotten is Matthew, who is a great partner for two episodes and then has a complete about-face yes. character assassination in episode three. Yes. And at least that was better, because, like, that seemed like, oh, it made kind of sense that he was keeping this part of himself from Will. Right. Whereas Nathan has been upfront about how terrible of a partner he's been, and it has only made the show seem to push him with Grace further. Yeah. So I guess I am looking forward to that going away in season four and something new taking its place. Um, But I'm disappointed that that's the note we're leaving season three on for her plotline. Yeah, so am I. Just kind of a bummer. Yeah. So. (sighs) Well. All right. Uh, After that really long (laughs) diatribe, um, I think we're all set for now. Yes. Um, We have talked at length about season nine and season four, and Mm -hmm. I don't think we're going to do any of that today. Um, but next week you should stay tuned because we are going to do a season three recap yep. where we talk a little bit more about the whole season, maybe mm-hmm. try to thread some of the narrative a little bit. Yeah. Um, and we're also going to talk about our plans for season nine, the new revival and season four, which we'll be covering week by week here on Not a Couple. Yeah. So look forward to that. We'll have that out. Same time, same place as always. Yep. Um, speaking of that, let me tell you where you can find us on the internet so you can find that new episode. Great. Um, so we will be posting the episode on iTunes and Podbean. You can find it on Twitter at, at Not A Couple Show. We also have a Facebook, a Tumblr. We post our show notes on Medium. And we have an email address if you have anything personal that you want to send to mm-hmm. us. podcast at gmail.com. Great. Yeah. Um, thanks so much for listening to us this season. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back next week for uh, a little bit more about season three. And uh, until then, I'm Matthew. I'm Tess. And this has been Not a Couple. Bye-bye. This episode of Not a Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one cat. Yeah. Hi, Liza. Thanks for joining us for season three. 
This episode was sponsored by the Jack McFarlane Center for Yental Health. Papa, can you pay for my lobotomy?